basis. If it's your first time listening to She is Becoming, welcome to the show. We are a podcast of multi-generational women studying God's word together, dedicated to being transformed by the renewing of our mind. You can find our episodes on all the major podcast platforms on the Minnesota Grace Church app and website. And be sure to follow us on Instagram at She is Becoming Podcast so we can pray with you, talk to you, and sometimes we give away free stuff. So you don't want to miss that. Well, I am your co-host, Delaney, and I am here in the studio with my co-host, Bev. Hey, Delaney. So happy to be here. Um, I want to know, I always like to check in with you, my Mm -hmm. dear. Um, What has God been saying to you lately? I mean, so many things. Um, But if I had to pick one, this was actually inspired by a sermon that I heard um, a few weeks ago. But um, it was that I, so I can be really quick to critique. I don't know if anyone else is quick to critique, but that can be me. Um, but sometimes the spirit really brings things to the surface. Um, and I think not so you can critique them, but so you can like correct them or come alongside someone and correcting them. So sometimes I think as believers, we notice things that need to be corrected. And, um, what God is really doing is he's calling us to rise up and be the one to correct them instead of relying on others to do it. Like, I feel like this is kind of like the blame thing where like, where we, um, we may be blaming like a Bible study leader for something she's lacking or we're critiquing her on something instead of coming alongside of her or just being like, I'll be that for you. Does that make sense? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what, um, I feel like God has been teaching me that like, maybe, maybe it, it shouldn't be a critique, but maybe God is calling me to like do something about it, like change something. Mm-hmm. So to yeah. come alongside and strengthen rather than yeah. be a, a critic. Totally. Because a critic has no solutions, you know, yeah. they just want to criticize. But someone who comes alongside of you and wants to help and um, pour into you, totally different situation. Yeah. And sometimes I, I think we expect people to like have every single gift, like especially leadership. Like I expect you to do everything perfectly and to have every single gift instead of me just coming in, like maybe where this isn't your gift. Maybe that is my gift. Maybe us just doing it together. Right. Instead of me critiquing you for not having this gift or like not being as good at this as maybe I am or whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. And it's also treating others like you want them to treat you. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. agree. So yeah. that's, I feel like that's what the Lord has been um, really convicting me of um, a lot lately. But we want to get into our topic today because this is a fun one. Tell us. What is it? Oh, we're so excited <laughs> about this topic. But couple of questions. So when you picture Jesus going about his travels in Israel, do you picture 12 men following him? Because I know that I do. Yes. yes. I do. I picture the disciples. It's 13 guys. 13 of them? Well, Jesus is. Oh, he's included. Yeah. 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 Math. Okay. Yeah. Thank you for that. So do you ever find yourself maybe asking the question, like, where are the women in the Bible? And I just had this experience in a Bible study that I'm doing. And this newer believer, uh, amazing woman, she asked me this and it like totally caught me off guard, but it was an amazing question. And it opened up this like super cool door to talking about women in the Bible. And we were able to really just debunk some myths that she had heard from culture about women in the Bible. So that's really what we want to do today. Like we want to answer the question, A, where are the women in the Bible? Yeah. B, we want you to be encouraged as we look into God's word about these women in the Bible. And C, we want to debunk some myths about women in the Bible because there's a lot of them. Culture really tries to throw them at you. There's a lot of myths. So we're going to try and debunk some of those for you today. 
But first, let's get some historical context about how women were treated during Bible times. We know that women really had a different life in that time. They basically were to be in the home and not to wander far except for essentials. Um, A Jewish man and certainly a a rabbi were not to speak to a woman on the street. And they were actually told to close their eyes rather than look on a woman. Do you know that there was something called bleeding rabbis? Because they closed their eyes passing women, if they had these bruises and bloody things, you know, running into things, that was like a badge of honor. Really? Yeah, that's how far they took it. That's really messed up. (laughs) Isn't it? Yeah, Yeah, that's really crazy. Okay, well, this is culture. Yeah. The cultural view of women back then. But women were not taught the Torah or generally educated. Mm -hmm. And Torah, if you don't know, first five books of the Bible. And um, because education was considered dangerous. For a woman. For a woman, correct, Mm -hmm. yes. Um, And women had very little that belonged to them. It would have um, been an exception for a woman to have money or property. Um, And basically a woman was the property of her father until she was married. And then um, she became the property of her husband and his family. So that was how women were treated culturally in that day. Yet Christ treated women counterculturally. Remember that in the four gospels, remember too that like in the four gospels, there are many accounts where um, Christ steps in to minister to women in ways that um, really reveal that in Christ there is no there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither neither is there slave or free, nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And so the, the Christ treatment of women really would have just been um, a countercultural move. And so remember, um, here's a couple of examples. Remember the woman at the well who Jesus talked to directly and he offered her um, his living water. The woman who had had an issue with her blood for 12 years and she touched Jesus so that she would be healed. Because of her condition, she would have been considered unclean if she touched Christ and he would have had also been considered unclean. Um, yet Jesus allowed her to be healed and he commends her for her faith. And then who can forget about Mary, Martha, and Christ's relationship I mean, I would even say like a friendship, wouldn't you, Bev? Like it would yes, be like a friendship. Yeah. Well, and with Lazarus, though the yes. three of them were siblings. Siblings, so with Lazarus and, too. And uh, Christ often was in their home. Yeah, so friends, I would say. Um, then there was a dinner where Jesus that Jesus attended with Mary, Ma- Martha, and Lazarus, and Martha served food. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> That's the old joke. Yeah. yeah. Lazarus relaxed by Jesus and Mary actually washed Jesus's feet with perfume. Expensive perfume. Expensive perfume. And that's, Curinard. A, mm-hmm. that's a key point to this story. A year's wages for that jar. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, okay. Well, first off, very expensive perfume, but also washing someone's feet in that day was the job like of a servant. The like, lowest one. The yes. lowest one. And since everyone wore sandals on unpaved dirt roads, that would have been... Um, the worst job for sure. <laughs> like, yeah, gross. Yeah. Um, but Judas sees Mary do this and he says, like, this money could have been given to the poor. And Jesus says that Mary anointed him for the day of his burial. This is a beautiful foreshadowing of um, Jesus's death on the cross and his burial and his resurrection. And so um, Jesus 
Like that's what he told Judas and he praises Mary for her love and that it was far beyond anyone else at the dinner party had done and he forgives her sins. And there's so many more examples that I could give you, but let me tell you, these women we are going to talk about are courageous, strong, bold, faithful women of God. And here's another myth that culture will tell you about women in the Bible, that women were treated poorly. But from these passages, we see Jesus himself healing befriending and loving women as sisters and daughters in the faith. It's beautiful, isn't it? Is it is beautiful. I just started, my mind just started racing, thinking of all the encounters Christ had with women. Mm-hmm. And women that were, you know, were not the high standing people in the community. I mean, they were the ones, look out the time he took with the woman caught in adultery. Yeah. He took so much time with her and, and, and said, you know, he forgives her and then mm-hmm. go and sin no more. And the other um, uh, woman who was a prostitute as well, who uh, anointed Jesus' feet with his with her tears wow. and was criticized for it. And Jesus said, wow, you know what? I'm going to have this account told wherever the gospel goes. It wow. was so important to him. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he really did treat women differently from the culture. Yeah. Our key text today, you know, we always have to find our key text, always. right? Every well, time. Right? That's, yes. We are grounded in the word, and mm-hmm. we want to stay that way. Amen. And it's really found in Luke 8, and it's only three verses, but this is where we're going to sit for the rest of the time. Mm-hmm. After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The 12 were with him. Now, here's the part we got to pay attention to. Mm-hmm. And also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases, dot, dot, Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out, Joanna, the wife of Chusa, the manager of Herod's household, Susanna, and many others, many others. Mm. These women were helping to support them. That would have been the disciples of Christ the, the gospel, support them out of their own means. Wow. You know, I've read that for years. Yeah. And never really taken time to really look at that. Definitely have glossed over that before too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, let's see all the encouragement that these just few verses have for us as women. Um, we can take from their lives, these three women who followed Christ, a lot of encouragement. Yeah. It is true there is not much information here. But there is enough to encourage us as we follow Jesus today. The three names mentioned here in Luke 8 are spoken of as all of them being cured of evil spirits and diseases. They are also said to have supported Christ and the disciples in the ministry. The first one mentioned is Mary, called Magdalene. Um, She was from the city of Magdala, and she had seven demons. Christ cast out seven demons from her life. Some have put her as a prostitute, but scripture does not say that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that scene from uh, Luke 7, where this prostitute wipes Jesus's feet with her tears, is not Mary. Mm. Um, so she's very, Mary Magdalene is very prominent and often mentioned first in the exception at the cross, where she's listed third after Mary, Christ's mother, of course, and then Mary's sister. And then she came right after that in the family. So think about that. She was the first person, not non-family member Mm. to be mentioned. Yeah, that's important. Let's think about what her life might have been like before Christ. 
When we read in the New Testament how people were demonized, we can assume she was tortured. Mm. Being controlled involuntarily by evil meant harm, probably to herself and maybe even others. What we would call a normal life would not have been possible for Mary. Maybe this is relatable to us in many ways, who before we committed our lives to Christ, we too were being controlled and even tortured. By sin. Yeah, that's deep. The power of sin weakens us and brings us so much suffering in our lives. Mary Magdalene was a woman who had been delivered. Mm. Jesus has power over sin and Satan. Jesus alone can set us free from the bondage of sin and Satan. Mm. We don't have the power to free ourselves. And, you know, this is why she followed Jesus and was 100% in. Mm. Jesus said in John 8, 31 and 32, to the Jews who believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Mm. The truth about who Jesus is and what he can do sets us free. Then in Romans 6, this freedom is further explained. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. And then one of my favorite verses that I just discovered not that long ago, Revelation 1.5, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. That's direct. Wow, isn't that just jam-packed? Yeah. So dense. Totally. Beautiful truth. Totally. To him who loves us and has freed us. From our sins by his blood, Revelation 1.5. Well, Mary Magdalene's life was utterly changed, and her response was to follow Christ and provide for the ministry of Christ. Mary's heart was obviously filled with loving gratitude to her Lord. Her gratitude led her to be all in. Mary wanted to assist in the life-giving, powerful freedom that Christ was bringing to others. She did that by tangible giving of resources as well as allegiance to the Savior. So I wonder, what has been your response to the freedom from sin and the power of Satan uh, delivered from that? Christ has given you through faith in him. What's your response? Are we following Mary's example of being all in, Mm. of following him close, of helping him in the ministry of the gospel? Going on in the life of Mary Magdalene, we see her again at the cross. She is there when Jesus is being crucified. Being a woman, I feel she could be at the cross without fear of arrest like the disciples, but maybe not. Just a thought, only the Apostle John was present at the cross. In the Gospel of John, chapter 19, it says, Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, in other words, uh, sister-in-law, and Mary Magdalene, three Marys. <laughs> it's a very popular yeah, name at that time. Honest, it is very confusing, the three it Marys. Is, it is. It is. You got to read this carefully. Luke 23 says, The women who had come from Galilee followed Joseph and saw the tomb and how Christ's body was laid in it. They were not going to leave him. They followed him to death and to the grave. Mm. Then they went home and prepared spices and perfumes, but they rested on the Sabbath in obedience to the commandment. These same faithful women were at the cross. Then they followed Jesus's body to his burial, but now they're going to come back. The Sabbath is over, and this small group of women go to the tomb to anoint Christ's 
body in loving respect. Now, they did wonder how they were going to get into the body because mm-hmm. they were going to say, who's going to move that stone? Yeah, for real. Um, but they came anyway. Now, that takes some faith, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. Seeing the empty tomb, they are in shock. And the other women leave the area except for Mary Magdalene. She is weeping. She is fearing someone has taken her Lord. She sees a male figure and thinks it's a gardener and asks for help. In fact, she says, I think someone has, has taken my Lord away, and I don't know where they put him. Tell me where he might be. I'll go get him. <laughs> I, wow. I thought, Mary, how could you do that by yourself? Yeah. Well, how are you going to take a man's body? Oh. I know. It's, it just shows the depth of her commitment to yeah, him. Yeah, the depth of her love. Yes. Like, that is deep. Yes. Well, all of a sudden... Her voice is, her name is spoken. She hears her name, Mary. She looked up. You know how you just know a voice, Mm -hmm. and especially when they say your name? Yeah. A voice called Mary. It was the risen Lord. Wow. Mary responds with the term Rabboni, which means my rabbi, my teacher. You know how we put the IE on the end of all of our names uh, as an endearment, as it claiming ours? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that's exactly what Mary is doing here. Wow. Christ instructs her, don't cling to him. She now will relate differently to her Lord. Mary is not to cling to him as uh, the the Lord on the earth. Now she is to go and to spread the word that Christ has risen. Mary is the very first one to see the resurrected Christ. Think about that. that that's crazy. I, and to be honest, like I feel like that right there is another myth that this that this is debunking that like women don't play an important role in the gospel. Yeah, because is that not huge? That's huge, and 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 Christ gives her a mission. Wow. Mary was given the privilege to be the first to go and tell the disciples that Christ has risen. That's in, yeah. in the Greek church they say Christos Anesti. Wow, and people say back Alithos Anesti. Christ is risen. Truly, He has risen. Wow. She was the first one to say that. That's amazing. They did not receive her word, sadly. Isn't that something? Did they think that, um, you know, the disciples didn't believe her? Was she having another demonic influence? She's a woman. Can we trust her? She's just hysterical because she's grieving. Um, I don't know what it was. Mary was brave to walk into that room and give this amazing news amongst critics, unbelief, and these fearful men. Yeah. So, you know what? We, too, have been given the great privilege of telling others of the death and resurrection of Christ. Will we obey and go and tell others? Are we willing to share the gospel among the critics and the skeptics? Are we willing to tell and leave the results up to the Lord and his Holy Spirit? Our job is to obey him, to tell, and he takes care of the response. Wow, that that is powerful. That the first one was yes. Mary. It was it was that. What a great honor! What a privilege! Um, here, seven demons had resided in her. Yeah, and that's just how Christ heals and redeems our lives. That is beautiful. From desperate to not even living to have this great privilege. Yeah, desperate to devoted to Him. Right. Wow. Well, another woman 
that we often don't um, hear about, that we often gloss over, yes. is also Joanna. Is it Chuza? You think it's Chuza? Chuza. Chuza. Let's do Chuza. And her story can also be found in Luke 8. And in Luke 8, too, it says that she had been healed of all evil spirits and diseases. And Joanna was a part of the group that um, traveled with Jesus and the disciples. Joanna was one, was a woman really of means and influence. She mm-hmm. managed Herod's household. Um, which means that she would have had like a larger estate and she would have had a great number of responsibilities due to her wealth and her influence like of her husband. So another myth that I have heard about women in the Bible is that they take a back row seat and they don't experience Jesus in the same way that men did. But Joanna, just like Mary, witnessed it all. All of his ministry. She witnessed it all. They were from the Galilee area, and they followed him throughout his ministry. So really, most all his ministry, they were there too. They were right there. Yeah, Mm -hmm. And she too left her privileged life to follow Jesus. She experienced healing through Jesus. She was present at Jesus' crucifixion and burial. And she was also one of the women who anointed Jesus' body with spices, or she went with so jo- she wanted to. She wanted mm-hmm. to. She went there. It didn't happen because Jesus is alive. Hallelujah. But she went. And Joanna actually saw the empty tomb. This is in Luke 24.10. And this was a privilege. I mean, that's an honor. Like, not a, a, not, this is not awarded to all followers of Christ, although we all reap the benefit of the empty tomb's implications. And so Jesus' countercultural view of women in the Bible like ought to encourage and empower you. Not only is there room for women in the Bible, there is closeness, there is intimacy, there is intentionality and there is purpose for women in the bible and you do not have less access to god than men like the bible models women who took up their cross to follow jesus and this was joanna to leave behind your wealth your safety comfort your influence and reputation to follow jesus just as abraham left his family and nation just as peter and andrew left their job security and home to follow jesus just as generations of godly men left everything to follow jesus there are generations of godly women who have done the same amen amen and so not only did joanna follow jesus in this way like by taking up her cross to follow him Like you said, she gave of her own means for the cause. Like this is her deep belief in the cause. And in 2 Corinthians 8, we see this biblical precedence. It says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. That is a powerful verse. And so Joanna was really becoming like Jesus. She was following in his footsteps. And so we, like you said, man, we skip over these, these verses, like in the first three verses of Luke eight, where women, including Joanna, like gave of their own means for the kingdom. When actually what this verse is saying is that Joanna was a sanctified woman. She was living out her faith as she became more like Jesus in the way that she gave of her own means. Which is unusual that, yeah. that she, that these three women had means to give uh, very unique. Yeah. And they still chose to follow Christ with everything in them. But there's one more name there. There's one more. It's Susanna. So continuing in Luke 8, Mary and Joanna were accompanied by, it says, Susanna and many others. So this is another myth about women in the Bible debunked, that there aren't a lot of strong, godly women in the Bible. And there's not just three women following Jesus. 
they said there's many many others there's mm-hmm. many others and this is a word for us sisters sometimes we feel like all alone in the call from christ like we are we feel like we're the only woman like hungering for god's word and thirsting for his spirit and we just feel utterly alone but just as mary joanna and susanna follow jesus wholeheartedly yeah there are women in your sphere who want the same like we want to be that for you like if you feel alone in your pursuit of christ please reach out to you reach out to us. Like we want to come alongside you. There are women who want to be, who want the same things as you. And so we know that nothing in the Bible is written by coincidence. Like if your name is mentioned, it's important. So I think, I mean, it is. And so I think it's clear that Mary, Joanna and Susanna were were really a truly influential group of women. And and the leader of these women, I believe too. Yeah. Since they were mentioned that they would be Mm -hmm. the leader and they would have sat under Jesus' teachings. um, And this was, this was not something that would be culturally accepted. No. And these women were educated, strong, influential women of God. Like think how thirsty these women were for the knowledge of God and for the teachings of Christ to give everything to follow him yeah like these women really give us just this amazing beautiful example and the people of the day um, an example of how valued the women in the kingdom of god are and so sister like are you willing to leave everything and follow jesus like joanna are you hungry for god like susanna how are you going to tangibly grow in your sanctification like generations of women before you So really, this is like our big challenge for you, sisters. And we want you to think just really deeply about this. Do you feel trapped by a myth that culture has fed you about women in the Bible? Or are you looking to the scriptures to define womanhood? Like, this is a big question. Are you feel trapped in this? Are you looking to God's word? Look to God's word. And are you following Christ with everything in you? Because I know I look at these women and that spurs me on to hear other women in the Bible who are taking up their cross to follow Jesus with everything in them. Like that motivates me. Absolutely. That's why we need each other. You know, to see your excitement and your faith, Delaney, mm-hmm. motivates me. And I hope my faith motivates you. You know, we, yeah. we're, we're, we're iron sharpening iron here. Yeah. So this is a beautiful picture. And it really tells us that uh, in God's kingdom, men and women are equally loved yeah. and valued. Now mm-hmm. we may have different roles, mm-hmm. and we can get into that at some point. Yeah, we're going to do an episode on that yeah. for sure. Yeah. So what a fascinating look we have had at these three women who followed Christ. Just mm-hmm. in three verses, we've yeah, learned so much. So much. I had totally overlooked these verses. I did too. What an encouragement for us women as we look at this example of Mary Magdalene, Joanna, and Susanna. Being a woman who follows Christ is our most important role. What a privilege we have to be part of the ministry of Christ. What a privilege to support the work of Christ. Ask ourselves then, are we following? Are we off doing our own thing? What what is it? Mm. Are we following or not? Mm. Am I all in? Am I following close? Mm. Has my gratitude for what Christ has given me caused me to give, to follow? Mm. Those are deep questions. They are deep questions. Mm. Will you pray for us, Bev? I would love to. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this encouraging example here of women who followed you. 
uh, in your earthly ministry, Lord. For my whole life, I've always pictured you with, you know, 12 little ducklings behind you, the the 12 disciples. Mm -hmm. I never pictured a group of women. And this was, I think, a rather large group, the way I'm reading this in the scriptures, uh, of women following. And they would have seen all the miracles. They would have seen all the teaching, heard the teaching. What a powerful thing, Lord, and what a privilege it was. And then to have it be the very first evangelist, the first one mm. to announce the resurrection to be a woman. Mm. Even the woman at the well, Lord, it, she was the first one to know that you told outright that you were the Messiah mm. to a woman who had been married five times and was living with somebody. Mm-hmm. Lord, your mercy, your grace, your love for us is so deep. You don't see us as men and women when it comes to loving, serving, and following you. Mm. And we want to do that with our whole heart. Would you help us do that today? In Christ's name. Amen. 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 Well, it was great to be with you, sisters. Join us in two Mondays on She is Becoming.